Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Matchet and the Other Guy. And Kevin and I are sitting outside my home here once again on the banks of Lake Wiley in Charlotte, North Carolina. Kevin, I never know what we're going to be talking about. You do. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, we got another one suggested by uh, our listener. And this one is kind of interesting. I thought it'd be an interesting topic is injuries. <laughs> injuries we've had through the years. <laughs> one of yours is very famous and we've covered it a number of times. I'm sure we'll repeat it here. Yeah. But uh, I think it is kind of interesting to look back, even our earliest memories of doing something a little crazy or whatever that ended yes. with a little bit of uh, gauze and uh, <clears throat> gauze and padding. I'm not particularly accident prone. Touch wood, thankfully, and all the rest of it. Are you particularly accident prone mm, in your I, life? I, again, I, I want to have a block of wood close by to knock on, but uh, <laughs> generally, no. So, I mean, I say that because, in my estimation, some folks genuinely are accident oh, prone. Oh, aren't? definitely. You know, that seems seem to be... You, I'm the you, father of one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go, then. Yeah, you put certain people in a certain situation and you almost sense an accident is about to happen. We have kind of one that kind of became almost famous in our family as uh, my, my cousin Jeff. My mom said growing up, she was constantly being called by uh, her sister Barbara and said, well, can you come watch David, which is a, a, another brother? I got to get, I got to take Jeff to the emergency room again. <laughs> So it was always something. The again, which gives the story yes. away. Isn't oh, yes. It? It, yeah. was, it was, she says, fairly regular occurrence. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I, I, on the whole, I, I've been fairly lucky. I mean, I'm 58. I think I've had far fewer injuries than some people that have reached 58. Uh, we talked about the, the big one that happened in my career was the, was the fuel fire at Hockenheim when... Um, the, when Jos Verstappen's car exploded, or the, the delivery fuel uh, exploded. Um, and I have above my right eye, sometimes it's more visible than others, but um, above my right eye I have a small scar that seems to come and go, I don't know if it's the weather or by the season, sometimes it's more visible than other times, a little scar there. And I have had a couple of surgeries on my left knee, uh, and I injured my left knee very early in life, well, fairly early in life, I was in, the, in my 20s. And I was working as an apprentice mechanic at the Mazda dealership. And I don't, I, to this day, I'm not really sure what happened. I, I spun and tripped somehow, caught my knee somehow, and just felt it go pop. Um, and the next day of that evening, I should say, it blew up to the size of a soccer ball, football, and had to go and have the, my knee scoped. So that was, that was a two or three day stay in hospital back then. I mean, now without patients and keyhole surgery, these things are done in a, an hour and you, yep. you know, docs kicking you back out onto the street. But then it was, I think I was in hospital for about three days. Um, and I've had to have on that knee, another surgery, keyhole surgery here in Charlotte when I, it, it just started playing up again. It was fine for many, many years. And then in 2000, I think it was 2008, all of a sudden it just blew up again like a football. And Doc said, ah, yeah, we need to scope it and remove a little bit more of that uh, damaged cartilage. Um, but that's, on the whole, they are the big incidents that's happened to me. How about, how about, how about you? Noticeable, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, the, the earliest one I definitely can, can remember parts of were, um, we, back when we talked about uh, food, we always had that uh, cafeteria we go to on Sundays, yeah. I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I also said that many times we'd run into our family members there because they love to go too. So we'd run into 
to folks and stuff there. Well, uh, it was, I must have been, God, four or five, something like that, pretty young. And my cousin uh, Michelle was there, and I was so excited that she was there. She was a little, little older, um, but I was so excited that she was there. I was running around the restaurant, and I caught the corner of my eyebrow, my right eyebrow. So it's kind of like you. We both have a problem uh, above <laughs> our right eye. Yeah. And I caught it right on the corner of one of those tables. <laughs> and I, from that point, I remember hitting it. I remember being excited and hitting it. I remember being in the car with them holding something on my head. And then I remember being on a table at the ER or the hospital or wherever. Right. And them stitching it up. And I was screaming bloody murder. <laughs> you know, they were holding me down as they, they stitched up. And that's the only stitches I recall ever having. Yeah. But uh, definitely definitely stuck in my memory and yeah, so very early on. So I don't remember the whole incident, but so just you've parts a, of it. you've got away with quite a lot of things on over the years, haven't you? If that's, you know, you, you, you're not very accident because you've done a lot of fairly physical things in your sport in life, that's skateboarding and surfing. I look back, and if you look at all the BMX riding I did, yeah. and again, we created jumps and we tried to kill ourselves. And, sure. Um, so part of the sport, all the skateboarding, all the surfing. I never, you know, in that instance, never had a broken bone, anything major like that. Um, I did get a good number of scrapes. You know, all, sure. all four corners, both both knees and both elbows, yeah. have have visible scars from various scrapes coming down and whatever. Well, I do think you need that growing up as a kid. I think we all need. It's a bit like with hygiene and cleanliness. I think. We all need as kids to be playing around in the dirt to get yeah. to get to build that immunity. And I think I think small cuts and scrapes and scratches, they teach you those important life lessons of, of of don't be stupid, don't do that again. Well, it taught me not to you know get a ski rope and get towed behind a motorcycle on my skateboard again. I didn't do that one more time. <laughs> but bicycles fine, but the motorcycles went a lot faster, a lot quicker, and I found yes. that out. Yes, um, and we I, have talked about. Uh, I know we mentioned this in another episode of Match It and the other guy. When I came off my cycle, cycling down to the village to see a friend, I do remember that was that was a fairly that was a fairly big accident because I was I I was cycling downhill and, and was and was going at quite a lick, and the car in front of me stopped to turn right and uh, didn't indicate, and then started to turn right, and I and. I had nowhere to go. I just remember that being a fairly big. But yeah, I mean, as kids, we're always doing something. Like you say, we were, when my brother was alive, we, we would build cycle ramps. And we've talked about my friend trying to jump over it. And the bike exploded into a thousand pieces and all of that. So we did all that. We were all getting cuts and scrapes, but nothing really, nothing really serious happened. Now, did, and this was when I was little. I think it, it wasn't too many years before they phased it out. You, you were using something else. Did y'all have mercurochrome? I never remember. I've heard of it, but I never remember. It was orange, and it came like in a little dabber. You know, you dip the dabber down in yes. it, and then you put it across the the scrape or the cut, and it burned like. Mm. <laughs> yes, and I, I, I'm sure I've read Hemingway talking of it during his boxing days. Seems like yeah, something. That right? like something. Yeah, yeah, seems like something that Hemingway would have put on his cuts and brew. Hemingway. Yeah. I mean, not to get off topic, but we always do. Hemingway, I think, was one of those accident-prone guys. I mean, he was always in something always dramatic was happening to him. Anyway, another story. Yeah, so there is an example of a, 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 a accident-prone chap. Ernest yeah, you want your wife out, you're already hurt, and then next thing, you, you don't want to go tell anybody because they're going to put that stuff on you. But uh, And I still vividly remember, like, anytime you got, like, a big scrape on your elbow or something like that, you inevitably would put your arm kind of up like holding your, your holding it up, yeah, and then you'd get it treated, and you you want to leave it in that position just because it, it hurt, and then it was so stiff 
to move it back, right. you know, start moving it again. You always just felt, oh, I'm just so stiff in that one spot. <laughs> and then you're moving around the bandage or whatever. Yeah. But mostly it was, during that era, it was always scrapes and... My, my mum's cure-all for any injuries that we had as kids was always put calamine lotion on it, whatever, whatever it was. It wasn't... I don't know, I don't know why. Uh, I guess we just had a bottle, always had a bottle of calamine lotion in the house. and it was dab, Everything dab is it. like a mosquito bite, That's run right. with that. Dab, dab it with calamine lotion. Or if we had a bad cold, it would be take a Beecham's powder. Uh, which is, you know, like a cold cure mix in a powder form and just mix it in a little water and it's awful sour taste. And so that was it. That They were our two... If, if you couldn't be cured by a calamine lotion dab or a Beecham's powder, your days were over. You were numbered. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, it was done There's only three it. options. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right, yeah. Do you ever break a bone? Touche bois, touch wood. I have never broken a bone. Have you broken a bone? Well, that, that's another weird story. It's, it's the only one, again, where's that wood to knock on? But I was very young, and people here in the States that are of a certain age are gonna remember this. It was a little, it was a little writing toy made by, I think, Play School. Okay. I don't think it was Fisher-Price. I think it was Play School. And it was, it was a little tiny thing that couldn't have been, the seed on it couldn't have been a foot off the ground. And it, was, it had uh, blue wheels and a little yellow uh, oval seat made of plastic and I think it had kind of like red spots on it kind of like a giraffe's pattern yeah and it had a, a chrome little handlebars that came up to I think these these red handlebars and I'm trying to describe it so the people that you know can't remember go oh yeah sure, I know exactly what sure. you're talking because I wanted to remember how tiny this thing was <laughs> okay okay and we're I, talking tiny so <laughs> I was visiting my grandmother and next door, there were some kids, I think, maybe visiting theirs or something. I don't think they lived there all the time, or maybe they did, but they had one of those. Now, granted, I was a little bit big for this thing at the time, so I was, you know, sitting on your knees or kind of up, and I was just sitting on it resting and, and talking to, you know, the other kids or something like that. And I was in the grass, and for some reason, I just decided to fall over on it. Mm. Just plop in one direction. Okay. I can't tell you why, but yeah. I did. Yeah. Well... Went on that night. I was staying at Grandma and Granddaddy's because Mom and Dad were out of town doing something or something. Well, they came. They came back the next day to pick me up, and I just remember saying to Mom, "You know, my I'm kind of sore up, up around my shoulder." And we went and had it X-rayed. My collarbone was broken. Wow! Just from falling, maybe a foot and a half, just plop on the grass. So there's no rhyme or reason to it, or how it happened, or what age were you? Six. Yeah. Maybe something like that. Yeah, I have to ask my sister. I don't know if she remembers when that happened yes. or not. I've only had one experience when, to this day, I cannot understand how I didn't break my legs or my ankles at the very least. I was I was up uh, an old rickety wooden ladder, which I should not have been doing, and the ladder wasn't tethered or tied, which it should have been, and I was working on my old farmhouse in France doing the uh, pointing process on the stone wall, which meant taking all the old rendering plaster away from this wonderful, beautiful stone that had been hidden away for many decades, scraping out all, there was no cement or um, concrete or anything when these houses were built, obviously, two, three hundred years ago. So they were built <clears throat> basically out of stone blocks and then all the space in between the stone were filled in with clay. Worked wonderfully well. I mean, these the houses are still there now, and they work great. But um, the pointing process involves scraping all that clay out as much as you could get out, and then replacing it with different coloured mortars and cement. So you could have any colour you want. You could match the stone, or you could 
if you wanted, if you were crazy, you could have it bright blue or bright red, the pointing in between the stonework. Anyway, I picked a very nice neutral, uh, I remember now, it's called Jevant here. It's the same color as the beautiful colored stone. And I was doing that pointing process and I pointed the whole of this farmhouse and it was a relatively huge old building. And I remember one day I was right up towards the roof. Um, so I would be, I'm gonna guess, 15 something feet in the air working on this working on this old rickety wooden ladder and all of a sudden uh, I just saw like whoosh as the stonework flashed above my eyes and for a second I couldn't quite figure out what had happened and then uh, before this is one of those moments like time stops yep. and slows down and then I suddenly thought oops I know exactly what's happened the ladders come away from the wall and I'm going to bang and I hit the floor uh, as the ladder slid down the wall and I fell with the ladder and my feet went in between the rungs and I hit the floor like this and rolled over. And I just lay there still for about, I want to say it was a minute, two minutes, and my feet were absolutely throbbing and then they started to go numb. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I've broken my ankles. I, I have to have broken my yeah. ankles after this fall. Um, but, cut a long story short, absolutely not. Have we got visitors down there? I think you're... Uh sprinkler system or something is kicking into gear. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I have no idea why that's doing that. I'll tell you what, gentle listener, let me, let me, let us pause this episode. Why, I thought it was this a, is a This is a first, but yeah, you might want to go see what's going on. I thought it was a squirrel or something playing in the hedge. Yeah, something's kicked on. Yeah. All right, well, let, let's pause. We shall return. Yeah, yes. Well, it proves it's live, as they say, right? Is that what they say? Well, welcome back, gentle listener. Um, we've just had a little walk around the estate here and found out what the problem was. Yes, it was the sprinkler system which was switched on. I, and I was doing some maintenance on the irrigation system yesterday, which kind of half explains why, why that happened, but not fully, because I thought it had it all switched off. Well, and since the sprayer is all of about eight feet from us here, it uh, <laughs> definitely uh, like, yes. Well, we do have down here, there are always squirrels, of course, but we also have a couple of little bunny rabbits that hop around in the hedge. Actually, quite a lot of wildlife down here, as we've talked about before with the deer and whatever. Uh, but I thought it was either a squirrel or a rabbit, but it wasn't. Anyway, the conclusion, whether or not we got to the end of my falling down the wall in France story, was I didn't break my ankles, but I, I, don't, I have no answer to that either, because I certainly should have done, but... I just got to my feet and carried on. But the, 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 the real finish to that story, because I was doing the pointing process on the, on the wall, I immediately had to get back on the ladder and get back up the wall again because the cement mix that I put in between the stonework was starting to cure. So I had to go back up there with a wire brush and brush it back out and finish the job. So even though I was rather shocked, it's probably, it was probably not a bad thing to do. It's a bit like getting back on a horse if you've just fallen off. I had, yeah. to, get, I had to get straight back up the rickety old wooden ladder and finish off the job. But boy, my ankles were very sore for the, about two days afterwards, that's for sure. Well, I had a, a couple instances where it was just kind of, you know, getting sli slipped or slipped up. And, you know, you didn't get any resulting real long-term injuries from it. But I still remember one time I was at uh, the, the house we lived in in Florida. And, and for some reason, I remember my mom was out of town and it was just dad and I, and dad always, you know, hung out in the, in the den at the back of the house. And I was, I was taking a shower and the doorbell rang. Okay. Well, I'm waiting and nobody seems to take care of this. 
And I'm finally like, ugh. So I <laughs> throw on a towel, and I go out. I don't answer the door, but at least it's got a window kind of with a curtain next to it. I look out, and it's our, our friends down the street, Dad's friends. Yeah. So I go running through the, the kitchen. Well, the kitchen had terrazzo floor, which is a kind of a, I guess, a stone or marble or something. I just remember it being called terrazzo. It's got little specks in it. Oh, I know what you mean. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I hit that with slick feet, and out came, under me came my feet, and I landed square on my back, knocked the wind out of me, and I just remember getting up going, like, doorbell, Pete Mary at the door. Yes. So, and I had to hobble my way back to because I'm wearing all of a towel. <laughs> hobble my way back to the bathroom. Shouldn't laugh, though, sorry. But uh, yeah, and, I uh, know that floor that you're talking about. And I can imagine it being incredibly slippy when it's wet. Yes, yes, yes. It's a bit like the notices you see around swimming pools when they say "Don't run" because the the swimming pool service certainly back in England would be that same sort of material. Often the swimming pool surround was incredibly slippy. Yeah. And it's it's funny. It was jump, 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 it's, it's funny how how certain services around swimming pools are different. Some yeah. around them can be just the right amount of concrete or whatever, and never get slick. And then there's some that yeah, you just add a little bit of water, and then it's like you know, just you're walking like a giraffe, you know, making sure you <laughs> don't 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 trip up. Yes, absolutely. And the yeah. same thing can be said for the stuff they make the the inner part of the pool with. We have friends that have one that uh, is actually fairly recent they just built it in the past couple of years but you always come back from an afternoon there with your toes kind of having that like they've they've, they've had the skins kind of scraped a little bit yes yeah, you, you, you come back with a little, little bit of rawness to your it's never enough to hurt and i kind of you know you, <laughs> by the time you mix the chlorine and all that in there it's kind of like you've, you've had a good pool day yeah so but it always has that little bit of a roughing effect it's like somebody's scrubbed your feet with 60 grit sandpaper or something Some, something to that effect but i always every time i'm there it's the same thing every, every time but who knows? But we had another. Uh, I had another thing that was uh, similar. This was in college, and we were we were moving. Uh, some friends and I, mine and I, were going to get an apartment together. Well, they were living over in Murfreesboro, which is just below Nashville. We were going to move them, and I was over there, and I always used to bring my skateboard because I, I found out early on those make great dollies. You can always throw something <laughs> on top of one. Sure. Well, they had this great, uh, fairly new blacktop. I guess the apartment complex had had, had recently paved. And it made a real, you know, nice slick surface. So the other thing we used to do on skateboarding was you power slide. You get going really good, and then kind of kick it sideways, and then cause it to slide. Okay, like and like you're in massive yaw. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And well, I just kicked it really good, and going down through there, and I slung that thing sideways, and it was slick because that thing shot out from <laughs> under me, and again landed straight on the back, knocked the wind completely out of me. Yeah. And my buddy Troy comes running up, and he can't stop laughing. He's trying to say, are you, are you okay? And he's just trying to hold back, cracking up. And I'm just, again, sitting there going, ah. Yeah, I, I recovered, you know, after a while. But it took the, a while to fill the lungs again on that one. That feeling of having the wind knocked out of you, as they say, is, is truly awful, isn't it? Because you simply can't breathe. You, yeah. you cannot get your breath. Yes, I remember that happening to me playing football, American football, gridiron, years ago back in England. Some play went wrong or something. I got hit in a way that I shouldn't have been hit. And I felt exactly the same. You, 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 you're unable to say a word. Yeah. You can't explain what's happened to you because you simply can't get a word out. Can you? Just, just oh, oh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think fortunately, fortunately through the years, as we discussed, you know, I think most most injuries have been that kind of thing, where it's just you know something silly happened or something like that. And yeah. Kind of by the end of the day, you're you're back to normal. But I do remember many years ago, uh, 
when working as an apprentice mechanic. One of my colleagues was working on, I think it was a Ford Mark III Cortina, but it, it had coil springs on the front suspension. And they were well known to be difficult to get out from the suspension. You had to put the spring clamps on them and then use an air gun to ratchet the, the spring clamps down to collapse, to compress the spring, to reduce it physically in height to be able to pull it out from the suspension. And these spring clamps back in the 1970s were not the best engineered pieces of equipment. And if you weren't careful, what would happen if you imagine the coils of a spring, a little bit like a helter-skelter shape, when you put the spring clamps on and started to compress the spring clamps, they would start to move around the coil of the spring. And if you were unlucky, they would pop off the spring. Which could be a bad day at the office. Yes, right. with, with quite a bit of force. With, with quite a bit of force. So what used to happen if you had that bad day at the office, the spring clamp would, bong, jump off the spring. As you were with your hands at the top and bottom of the spring, trying to lever the spring away from the suspension, then all of a sudden the spring would bounce back to full size. And it could give you, it could break your wrist very easily. Mm -hmm. And a colleague of mine did do exactly that. I'm not sure if he broke his wrist, but he, he was certainly off work for two or three days with his wrist strapped up. But the, the unfortunate part of that is we were explaining to him, but there's nothing we could do about it. And again, I won't give his name because he probably won't, won't like me doing that. Um, we're explaining to our colleague, be really careful with those spring clamps. You've got to be very careful. Make sure that you turn it on the right side a little bit, then on the left side a little bit, then on the right side a little bit. Don't, don't put too much pressure on one side because you will encourage the spring clamp to come off. And um, despite all the help we were giving him, we're standing at a relatively safe distance wanting to assist. And really what he should have done, it's something I, I did, but maybe I was being overcautious. I would actually wrap a chain around them and then put a bolt or a padlock type of a fastener on the chain around the spring so that if it did want to spring out, it couldn't go anywhere. You yeah. know, it's, it's held fast within the suspension. Well, an ounce um, of prevention. Yeah, but boy, oh boy, that, it really did give my, uh, my, my friend, my colleague, a, a whack on the wrist when it goes. But that's all part of the fun of back then of, of working on those sort of suspensions as a, as a younger man. I'm not sure those suspensions still exist any longer now. Well, they're really McPherson struts a lot more now, so they're more controlled. You can take the whole suspension strut away from the car and strip it out in a visor on a bench where it's a much safer environment. But on those early cars with a coil spring trapped between two, effectively two wishbones, you couldn't do that. I'm pleased they've got away from that type of suspension. Old, um, funny enough, um, I, saw, I saw that suspension only the other day uh, down in Kissimmee when I was helping the Meekum guys out of their, their Kissimmee January event. Of course, all those 1960s cars, Camaros, Mustangs, they all have that same idea of a coil spring between effectively two A-arms. And yep. I'd completely forgotten about this, but in the back of my mind, when I, saw, I was looking around an old 68 Camaro, I'm looking at the suspension, and I was thinking of this guy my old friend and colleague was an apprentice. That story came back to me then thinking, yeah, I do remember that. You've got to be re really careful of the power of those road springs. Yeah. Probably didn't think you'd think about that twice in one year. I know. It's, it's been a few strange, months, actually. Yeah. yeah, these things kind of stick in your mind, and it's not until you physically see that, see that design and go, wow, yes, there, there is a lot. And I think those Camaro springs have actually, I'm, sh I'm sure the folks that are, that are used to rebuilding Camaros will have 
very similar stories of, oh, well, you should do this, you should do that. And I think those stories should be out on YouTube sharing that information because, yeah, they, there's a lot of energy in those road springs, especially when you have to compress them down to get them out. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm sure mechanic, your mechanic shops are full of <laughs> stories of craziness. Yes, I do remember. I say I've avoided accidents, and on the whole, I have. But I do remember one silly accident that happened to me as an apprentice mechanic. I was changing the fan belt on a car, and the car was on the ramp and I was underneath, and I was doing the one thing that you really shouldn't do, and surprise, surprise, I, I was bitten for, for doing it. Uh, I, was, I had one hand on the alternator, trying to pull the alternator down, and I was standing on my tiptoes because the car was on the ramp, so I was underneath, standing on my tiptoes trying to get to it. Rule one, don't do that, it's stupid, why are you doing it? But you're 17, 18 years old, not really thinking very clearly. So I, had, I was standing on tiptoes in the first place and I had one hand, my left hand on the alternator, trying to pull it down to slacken the fan belt. And because there was a lot of resistance on the alternator, I reached up with my right hand and got hold of the fan belt itself and was pulling on the fan belt. Don't do this at home. <laughs> Other methods of releasing the fan belt are available. And I had my hand on, right hand on the fan belt, left hand on the alternator, and as I pulled it, surprise, surprise, the fan belt and the alternator rotated. And my hand that was holding the, the, holding the fan belt was then caught beneath the bottom pulley, the crank pulley. So my fingers are now jammed. <laughs> <laughs> here it gets worse my fingers are now jammed between the crank pulley and the fan belt and I'm in a lot of pain but remember the start of this story I'm standing on tippy toes which made it even worse so I couldn't really do anything to get any purchase to get out of this precarious position and the dear old chap um, much much older gentleman than I worked with as an apprentice who'd been around for years and years was working in the next bay to me his name was Ron, he won't mind me calling him Ron. And uh, I, I remember shouting over to Ron, 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 please come and help me. You'll, you'll never guess what I've done. And he says, I know exactly what you've done. And he come over and help me get out of that position. But that's the sort of thing you only do once in your career as a mechanic. And I've never done it again. I always think of exactly that situation when I change in a fan belt. Do not pull on the fan belt and on the alternator at the same time. You made the mistake once. One and you only. do it once, that's, that's right. <laughs> yes, there's right? definitely certain things we learn. Yeah. And you're, only, you're only gonna make that mistake one more time, or one time, period. <laughs> Just awful, yeah. Another, another funny one that was like when I was a teenager, um, this was Christmas day and we were, we were living in Florida, so we were up in Tennessee visiting. And my, nep my nephew, we were, you know, he was younger and he was 10, he's actually 10 years younger than I am. So he was, you know, probably four, five, six, maybe somewhere in there. And it snowed. And we didn't get snow there that often, but the neighbor across the street had gotten a new BMX bike and I did a lot of stuff. He was kind of close to my age, so we hung around a good bit. Okay. And he got a new bike for, for Christmas. And we tied a, a rope to the seat post and then took that back to a saucer sled <laughs> and put my nephew in the saucer sled. And then I was on the bike. So I take off down this hill and then I just kind of did a power slide to stop. And then, so that sent the sled around. I didn't account for centrifugal force. And at some point, the bike just got yanked straight out from under me, which just kind of sent me for a Charlie Brown loop onto the ground. And the, the, the saucer sled banged off and hit a telephone pole and knocked, knocked Jonathan out of it. 
and they were all just kind of laying there like, oh. And I remember somebody sticking their head out the, the, the screen door or something like that going, do not put any scratches on that new bike. <laughs> well, that's typical, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that is typical. Well, they say every experience in life is a learning experience, and, and there was there was an introduction to physics for you, Yes, right I definitely, yeah, <laughs> centrifugal force did, did make its appearance that's, that's and, and, right. and, and well established itself. But my dad was, you know, my dad was an engineer, so he always was doing things and, and such like that. But oh, you know, he kind of generally knew what he was doing, fortunately. But uh, little projects here and there. So, well, on the whole, then we've been we've been fairly fortunate, and I'm pleased about that. And uh, long may it continue, gentle listener. Please don't have any accidents at home. Do try and do everything in a safe manner, because. You don't want to have an accident. Those people that we all know, those folks that we know that are accident prone. You, again, we started off this segment talking about them, this episode of, of the podcast. You can kind of see from the first five minutes of meeting them that they are an accident waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is about certain folks, but they seem to attract trouble in that way. Well, there's just that, you know, jump first and think, think second. <laughs> so. That's right. Yes, I was trying to explain to a good friend fairly recently uh, about the, the, the potential perils of simply cutting an onion on a chopping board. And this good friend of mine could not, I could see that she was, she was longing to, she was longing to have an accident with the knife and the onion and the cutting board. And I remember saying, lay, lay, the, lay the onion down so it can't fall any further. It's like taking a cinder block or a, or a breeze block, I would say in England, or a brick. And you can stand it upright and if you push it, the brick will fall over. But once it's fallen over, it, it won't fall over any further. It's at its lowest point. Gravity is, is taking it to its lowest point. Think of the same thing with an onion. When you're chopping an onion, you'll get to a point where the onion wants to fall over. Move the onion first and then it can't go any further and you'll, you'll hopefully not have an accident. Some folks can kind of instantly see that, recognize that, and, and again, some folks, bless their little cotton socks, simply can't see the potential dangers around them. Oh gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've had friends, I, I, they're doing a project and I'll just look at them like, really? And Step away. <laughs> yeah, if it's something that, like, that could spring out at you, you step a safe distance, so, yeah. but if, if you can, if they're, if they're receptive to uh, a little help, it might be a good idea to intervene a little bit. Yes, and you, that's another thing. Um, we all have to be prepared to accept advice. I think those, well, you can see them around the world all the time. Those folks that simply are not prepared to listen to advice and admit that they've made errors in their life. And I must admit, I'm more than happy to admit that I've made errors in my life. And I'm always happy to listen to professional advice and in any subject, in any walk of life and try and improve and learn from it. But some, maybe those with a delicate ego, I don't know, leave themselves open to all sorts of perils and pitfalls, and they do pay the price for it. Yeah. 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 Um, I hope you've enjoyed that, gentle listener. Do be careful. Do take care of yourself. Please, no accidents. Yep. And we'll see you next time. Yes, we did, we did have an interruption, but we've remained injury-free throughout this uh, <laughs> throughout this talk. So. It was, yeah. That was extraordinary, yeah. Well, again, it proves it's live. It is live. See you soon. All right. We'll see you on the next round.